Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome once again to our afternoon show, Looking Up, with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. Hello, Danny. Hello, Peter. How are you going? Yeah, really good, thank you. Um, in our program today, we're going to be talking once again about the implications of the COVID-19 pandemic that the world has been enduring for the last three months and more. And um, we're going to be talking about what are the implications of the COVID-19 pandemic for Bible believers, for Bible prophecy. What does Bible prophecy have to say about the time in which we live and is there any connection? And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Looking forward to it. And, you know, we've been on an interesting journey thus far. We've, we've looked at uh, uh, what the Bible has to say about uh, what would be taking place in the, in the final days of Earth's history. We've been to Matthew 24 and Luke 21. We looked at the, we've looked at health and well-being um, the other day. And we had the testimony of Leah Hodge. And that was, that was quite an amazing testimony. And um, if you missed that, Go to our Faith FM website and there you will see uh, that, um, what do you call it? Podcast. The I'd podcast, say. that's it. The podcast. Must be a podcast, Danny. <laughs> the podcast. And last week that's we looked. It's a very technical term. <laughs> and last week we looked at the economy. So what the, what the Bible has to say about the economy, in particular um, the final events of Earth's history. So we unpacked that last week. And this week we are into the environment and uh, the ecological mm. Impact, and yeah. I'm really looking forward to this week. I am too. It's it's going to be uh, good. We're going to look at obviously the implications on the environment um, that uh, have resulted in COVID nineteen, and some of those things are very positive, of course. And so um, we're going to look at all of that. And um, let me just uh, talk about um, how to contact us too. You may have a comment or question that you would like to submit about the topics we've covered so far in this series, or indeed uh, about what we're going to talk about today and you can contact us on 1-800-324-843 you can call in 1-800-324-843 or you can text in on 0491-064-669 so if you want to send a text it'll be 0491-064-669 and uh, well, we let me also mention that um, we've got a couple of um, programs that we want to preview that we'll probably do after a, uh, a short music break. Um, we're going to also, um, you've already mentioned what we've already covered, Danny, and we'll talk about some previewing of uh, new uh topics for the, the coming weeks we also have a free gift at the mm, end of the show at the end of the show so make sure you right tuned now in. right now we're going to go to music and we're going to listen to callum enterman letting go you're the one who comes you come to set the captives free you're the one who comes Stand between me and my enemies You're the one who comes To break the lies that I still believe The lies that never leave So come and have your way Come and have your way Cause I'm letting go Trusting in the one that I know 
He's abundantly more than I wish for and more than I hope for more than anything I can put your heart on my own so I'm telling go Yeah I'm telling go sure who that was that was Callum that was Callum Enterman who's actually uh, a friend of mine and um, I'm wishing him well that was uh, I don't know there we go letting go thank you I'm, I'm struggling to find the title of that song letting go I hope you enjoyed that well Danny we've got a great program planned for people today so we hope that uh, the listeners are going to enjoy we're, we're glad that you've chosen to tune in and that you've chosen to uh, give us uh, your time this afternoon. Let me just tell you, before we get into our segment today, I um, wanted to promote to you a couple of programs that you can find free online uh, that will be beneficial, I think, and, and cover a lot of the details of the topics that we're covering in this series too, Danny, Absolutely, in terms of yes. pre- preparations for the coming of Christ and why that's a positive thing. And one of them is called uh, The End, and if you go to theend.digital, 
you can find uh, this series of meetings that talk all about various signs of the ends and how we can prepare for the coming of Christ. It's called The End, What the Bible Has to Say About the End of the World. And the good news is about that program, we've got Lyle Southwell, who, yeah. who is the morning show He's on host. the breakfast show. Exactly. So um, you'd be well familiar with him the if breakfast you tune show into boy. the breakfast show. And uh, he's doing a great job, Lyle, yeah. with, uh, with uh, his co-host, uh, Sharissa. Yeah. And they're really unpacking the... Have you seen any of the programs? Yeah, I have. I, I have I, too. I, I try and watch them uh, each and every time. So, um, And so, yeah, go and you will be totally blessed. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed them. Um, so if you go to the end.digital, you can find that. And if you go there to uh, YouTube, you can watch them there too. Also, there's another program uh, called um, Hope Awakens with John Bradshaw. And so... Um, Again, you'll find that on YouTube. You'll find that uh, if you go to the hopeawakens.com.au website, you will find details of how you can tune in and, and take advantage of these presentations that are specifically talking about the kind of topics we've been talking about here, Danny, helping people to look up, helping people to have hope in increasingly uh, challenging times. Mm. And so we want to uh, recommend people tune into that. So that's the end.digital and Hope Awakens. We hope people will tune in for that well let's get into the show and um, even before we get into the topic for the day which is really the environment or the impact of coronavirus on the environment let's talk about um, what's been happening in the news because uh, it's a rare thing these days for anything to knock COVID-19 off the front page that's right I mean you know we've had COVID-19 since I guess I would say probably sometime in February it yeah, really it really hit the the headlines before yep. that it was kind of a bit of a backstory uh, something taking place in uh, in, a, in a country far away in China but then as it crept um, over to our side of the world yeah definitely but there is something that's 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 taken something over in this has past knocked week. it off the headlines and that is of course all of the unrest in uh, America as many people will know um, a um, African-American was um, killed uh, in, a, 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 uh, I guess, what you would call um, an assault by a police officer. Mm. And, uh, of course, that sparked widespread protests, particularly in Minneapolis, um, large protests in cities from coast to coast across America, from New York to L.A. and lots of places in between. Um, and, of course, there have been since protests in the U.K., Australia, Europe and other places. And... Uh, People are, uh, you know, um, expressing their anger at injustice. And then, of course, there are many others who are opportunists, shall we say, who are taking uh, the opportunity to uh, vandalise and destroy property and to steal and so forth. I have uh, friends in Minneapolis and I was on the phone. Is that right? Yeah, I have uh, friends in Minneapolis. In fact, uh, my, my friend Chris there, he and I go way back to the time when we used to work together in a cocktail bar. And so um, we've known each other for uh, more than 30 years, uh, so that's a long time. But uh, I, was, I was talking to him, I wanted to ring him and see how... See things family. are on the ground. Yeah, he and his wife, uh, and their two boys, uh, they're, they're uh, Christians, and uh, they, I just wanted to check out how they were going and uh, what was happening. And he was saying, you know, it's very sad. They, they um, have been uh, helping out through the... Uh, the uh, pandemic with uh, providing food and so forth to those who are, um, you know, in need through the, the pandemic. And so um, they've been working downtown and uh, they've said that there are people 
Uh, he said, you know, he want, his words were, you know, it's like the Wild West here at the moment because, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, guns in America, of course. And um, he was saying that they're downtown in Minneapolis, there's a lot of stores, a lot of shops, a lot of businesses that have, um, you know, been built up by families. That This is their livelihood. And they've got, uh, you know, there are people standing outside their own businesses with guns to try and protect their mm, businesses wow. from looters and um, acts of violence and so forth. So it's very interesting um, to, to see what is occurring. It's actually very distressing when you watch some of those images on the TV news or on the internet, when you, wherever you get your news, um, that, yeah, it's been pretty distressing. I was very impressed, actually. I don't know if you want to say anything, Danny, before I dive no, well, in. I was going to say that um, I just... I just heard on the news either yesterday, last night, or this morning that 12 people have been killed uh, wow. during the riots. Wow. Um, so that 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 adds to to the to the distress and to the mm. to the sadness. I had um, I was watching. I can't remember whether it was SBS or, or one of the other news stations last night. I think it was, and I read it also in a news item just on the internet, that uh, they were suggesting that the United States is in the midst of a perfect storm mm. um, dealing with the pandemic of, of the coronavirus. So that's a health, health, health challenge. Then the economy is in free fall. You've got 40 plus million people who are out of work and not to mention how many have had their hours reduced and sure. how many have given up looking for work. So that's creating a shortage. Mm. Um, families are not able to put food on the table. So we're, we're dealing kind of with a bit of a famine kind of situation. And now you've got, you've got violence and you've got riots and um, protests and mm. so forth. And as I thought of those three areas, I couldn't help but think of what we've talked about in an earlier presentation. I think maybe in our very first, Could have been. In our very first um, program, we looked at uh, the biblical uh, the biblical history of when of when a nation uh, seems to depart from the principles of God that are given to bless the nation, to bless the people of that nation, what follows the consequences and, and the three big ones, if you read the Old Testament and in, as well as in the New Testament, Jesus taps into them in Matthew 24. We talk about pandemics or pestilence. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is the sword or war or, right. or riots or violence. violence. And, the, and the last one is famine. Mm. And so you have these three key components that in Bible times would ultimately overthrow a city. Because yeah. that's how you would that's how you would overthrow a city, and so that's what we're finding in the United States right now. So mm. it's um, it's in a really bad way. So we really need to do a lot of praying. I've got I've got family in the United States. I've sure. got I've got a couple of first cousins there, yeah. an uncle and an auntie. So I'm very we concerned have, we about that. We have extended them. family there as well as my friends, of course. But I think also what I was going to say, and and this is maybe for future reference too. We're actually going to present a topic in a future afternoon program which will look at the United States in Bible prophecy. Now, some people might, you know, raise an eyebrow at that. And in fact, when I heard about this in the first place, I thought, well, that can't, that can't be true, right? The United States is a, a nation that's only a couple of hundred years old um, as a nation, you know. Um, how can that possibly be in Bible prophecy? But we're going to have a look at that. It won't be today, but we are going to look at that because um, it does tell us something about where the U U.S. is heading. Anyway, I was wanting to mention that I was quite impressed by Terence Floyd, who is the brother of George Floyd, um, who died in that police assault. And um, he says, all of this uh, demonstrating and or the, the, the destruction will not bring my brother back. 
um, and he says um, he he believe he said that they were a peaceful and God fearing family, and um, you know he was talking about he's saying you know if I'm not here trying to um, you know rip up the town what what are you all doing and uh, he said let's switch it up do this peacefully please mm. and I was I was quite impressed by that because if anybody's got uh, you know, a right to be angry, you would think it would be the brother of, of George Floyd. So I was quite, you know, very impressed by the way in which he approached that. Yeah, I think that's a very strong message. Um, and that's something that uh, the United States desperately needs right now, that kind of positive message coming through, inviting people to, to, to focus on, on what builds up the nation, what unites the nation, because there's so much division. Mm. And I think we can learn a lot from that here in Australia. We're obviously not like the United States. We don't have, you know, so many guns as they do and and the kind of racial division uh, that they have. I've been to the US and I've seen that firsthand. But I think we can learn a lot from what's going on there as far as how we respect one another, how we respect those of different cultures, those of different faiths. Um, and I think it's really, really important that, that we take this lesson on board now here as, as fellow Australians. And no matter, as, as, the, as, that, as the song goes, red, red or yellow, black and white, they are precious are in precious, his sight. Yeah. Yeah, so well, we're all God's read. children. We're yeah. all God's children. And yeah. we need to have love and respect for each and every person. Sure. I think that's a, a, a huge take-home message for me yeah. for what's been happening over there. Yeah. And I think, you know, to see the value of every human being, no matter where they come from or what their situation is. And it reminded me, actually, there's a verse in Revelation 14, verse 6, where it talks about, Then I saw an angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And so the, the everlasting gospel is to go to all the world. So mm. that's everyone in the world. And, um, you know, I also like, I think it's uh, in Acts chapter 17, I think it's verse 26, where it says, uh, for God has made of one blood all nations that dwell upon the face of the earth. Mm. And so, uh, you know, we need to be able to recognize our common humanity. We need to be able to recognize that if God is our Father, which art in heaven, that means we're all brothers and sisters. And John 3.16, I mean, how yep. clear can it be for God so loved the world, yep. you know, the people of the entire planet. So that's... Yeah. That's, that's the attitude that we need to have. Indeed. Another item in the news I just wanted to touch on before we dive into um, our topic of uh, the environment and its link to the pandemic and so forth is um, I just noticed that last uh, Saturday, uh, Crew Dragon launched uh, on the SpaceX rocket into, uh, into the, up to the uh, International Space Station. Of course, this was the first time that Americans had uh, f- taken off from American soil for 11 years because mm. they'd retired the space shuttle program and, and so forth. And I just mention that only because, A, I've always enjoyed space exploration since I was a little kid. But also I think it's uh, it sort of reminds us that there is a striving in the heart of mankind mm. for something greater than this. There is a striving to explore this great and marvellous universe that God has created. And, uh, you know, I think that's just a natural thing that God has placed within the heart of man that to, to, to want for something more. And indeed, God has something much bigger and better planned for us than what we have here. Well, King Solomon, he wrote in Proverbs uh, chapter 3, I think verse 11, where he, where he wrote, um, God has placed eternity in their hearts. Yeah. So what you're saying is absolutely spot on. We, we were created we were to live forever. That's how God created Adam and Eve. And 
the garden that they lived in. And so I think it's really important for us to, to remember that, that God has a plan for each and every person. The world may seem as if it is moving more and more out of control and there doesn't seem to be any direction. However, in the midst of all that, God has a plan. Yeah. Uh, God has a solution. And mm-hmm. that's what this program will be. Yeah, we'll yeah. be unpacking on, on what's going on right now, but we'll be looking at God's solution. And so even here in Australia, I mean, just today I was sharing with you, the GDP figures came out. Right. And for the first time in 29 years, Australia's heading toward recession. You know, the, the good days are, are coming to an end. So it's the first quarter. Uh, our economy is down. And in the next quarter from... From April to June, obviously, it's going to be uh, a far bigger slide um, downwards. But thank God that through it all, we have good news. And all these things are telling us to look up because Jesus is on his way. And that is the good news. And so we need to encourage one another with those words. Absolutely, Danny. All right. Well, in a moment, we're going to go to some more music. But um, I just want to maybe lay the table, as it were. Um, in regard to our topic, which uh, we're going to be looking today at the environmental uh, impact of COVID-19. And this is one of those uh, different ones to what we've been talking about before. We've been talking about the, the signs of the times. We've been talking about the impact on health. We've been talking about the impact on the economy. And those have been negatives. And now we're going to talk about the implications of COVID-19 and the consequences that that has had on our environment and uh, that has turned out to be something of a positive, mm. and we're going to explore that a little bit. So when we come back after the music and the news, and the, we've got the news as well, have we? Yeah, music and there the you news. Go, music and news. When we come back after this, we will explore that topic a little more deeply. Um, but before then, we're going to be listening to uh, Laura Daigle. Uh, sorry, Lauren Daigle. How can it be? So we hope that you'll enjoy this music.
welcome back, everyone. Thank you for uh, joining us this afternoon on our program Looking Up with me, Peter Watts, and my good friend and co-host, Danny Milenkov. We have been looking at the way in, in which coronavirus has impacted uh, not only us, but the rest of the world. And uh, in this segment, we're going to look at the environmental impacts of coronavirus. But before we do that, I just want to remind you of how you can contact us. If you have a comment or a question you'd like to leave, then you can call in on 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-324-843. Or you can text in on 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. So, Danny, we're going to talk about this connection between coronavirus and the climate. And as I mentioned before the break, uh, this one is interesting because there's been a positive payoff with this one. There has been, indeed. um, I don't know. I might just read this one headline and then I'm going to throw to you for comment. But this uh, this was actually written by a guy called Jonathan Watts. So, you know, it must be a good article. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's from The Guardian, which uh, is, of course, a UK news service. It says climate crisis. This is back in April. And it says climate crisis in coronavirus lockdown. Nature bounces back. But for how long? And it's talking about how the environment has been picking up because of uh, the slowdown of human activity. Especially some of the large cities, Peter. Um, we know some of the really huge cities. That the have, mega cities. The mega million uh, cities uh, have, for the first time in, in a long time, experienced the clean, fresh air. They've seen clear skies during the day and at night. The, the pollution, the haze from, from automobiles, from factories, from industry... Um, has has vanished, uh, I guess, and so it's been really positive. And so you've got a lot of people asking the question, as this uh, Guardian article points out, it's been it's been an opportunity for the for the environment to bounce back. But the question is, but for how long? Yeah. And um, and I guess we're going to explore that as we as we go along because um, the environment is something that has been uh, a hot topic. I would sure. say for the for last quite couple a while. Of, yeah for the last couple of decades at least yeah. um, as far as my memory is concerned so it's been it's yeah. been on the radar and and gaining ground each each and every year more so sure well you could track yes you can track this issue back a long way obviously people have been concerned about the environment as a, and as you say increasingly so i mean i remember when kevin rudd was running for prime minister in 2007 in the famous Kevin 07 campaign um, and he made a big deal of the environment in his uh, manifesto and he was very keen to uh, move the country down a greener path or at least to t- tackle climate change but um, if you there's another headline I wanted to pick up here National Geographic this one was from it says pollution made COVID-19 worse Now lockdowns are clearing the air. And so uh, people are seeing that um, the the decrease in human activity, as you said, is uh, providing a cleaner environment. You you were mentioned before how, um, you know, this has been a a fairly hot button topic prior to COVID-19 claiming the headlines. And uh, uh, we've got a, I'm just looking at a picture here of Time Magazine's Person of the Year. Of last year. From, uh, yeah, 2019. And that is, of course, Greta Thunberg, the power of youth. And, of course, she was uh, a, a teenage girl who 
uh, was passionately uh, appealing for a change to uh, environmental policy. She led the charge, I guess, as far as um, uh, galvanising and encouraging the, the younger generation to, to really uh, step up to the plate for the, sake of, for the sake of not only preserving but having, having a world uh, for their children and so on and so forth. It's interesting that uh, article that you referred to from National Geographic has a subtitle, and I think it's really interesting and, and insightful. The subtitle uh, has a question. Even before the coronavirus, air pollution killed 7 million people a year. Wow. That's a lot of people. 7 million people a year killed through air pollution. And the question followed, will today's cleaner air inspire us to do better? Mm. And so you mentioned uh, Greta, mm. the youngest the youngest Time magazine person of the year. On the cover, yeah, that's true. And it's, there's almost like a moral implication there, isn't there, in terms of, uh, you know, saying, can we do better? You know, in other words, there's, a, there's a, like a moral obligation to be doing better than we are in terms of the environment. And who's going to really argue with that? Well, the thing is, we've got one world. It's been pointed out. You talked about, you know, your, your, your hobby of... of enjoying space exploration and, and as far as... Well. Not sure if it's my hobby, but anyway, <laughs> I have an interest. Well, an interest, an interest in it. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're not really going to be moving out of this world that, that we've known for the last 6,000 years anytime soon. So this is it. So if we don't take care of our world, um, we're going to be in some serious trouble. And so that's what, that's the message that's out there. Yeah. Well, there's a, uh, a passage in Scripture in Romans 8.22 um, that uh, it sort of describes the fact that the earth is groaning under the burden of the condition that the earth is in since we fell from the paradise that God created at the beginning. And it says in uh, Romans 8 verse 22, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs Together until now. There's those birth pains again, by the way. <laughs> seem, to, seem to come up a lot. Yeah, Jesus talked about those birth pains and he shared, as well as the Apostle Paul talks about birth pains, mm. that yeah, as we draw nearer and nearer to the coming of Jesus, those birth pains are going to intensify in frequency and in intensity, in severity. And so I think this is very relevant to what we've just read here from the Apostle Paul, where he says that creation has been groaning. Mm. Um, ever since, I guess, the beginning of time when sin entered this yeah, world. That's right. Up until now, and even more so during the, during the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, yeah. the last couple of hundred years. Well, we've been, yes, we've been ma making a, probably a bigger dent in the earth in the last couple of hundred years than we had in the previous you know, several thousand years, I would imagine. Um, not least because of the uh, growth in uh, population. I think I talked about that in a previous show. Uh, the rapid growth of population since the year 1800 to, to where we are now, which is over 7.7 .7 billion. Well, we only had a billion people in the year 1800. Yeah, that's right. So, but we, we're talking here as well. Um, I want to just read a verse from the book of Revelation because uh, we just want to read here uh, the implications of this verse. This is talking about the very end of time, okay? And it's talking about uh, when Christ will come and take his followers home. And uh, it's also talking about the judgment that falls on the earth at that time as well. In Revelation eleven eighteen, the Bible reads this way. It says, The nations were angry, 
and your wrath has come and the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear your name, small and great. And then it says, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Now, you know, if you think about 2,000 years ago, the idea of destroying the earth would have been pretty um, challenging. Well, it was a foreign concept. I mean, what did they have 2,000 years ago? They had bows, they had arrows, they had spears. They could burn a city to the ground. They could burn a city to the ground. Sure, they could, but there were no... Nothing there on were the no large factories, scale. there were no yeah. atomic nuclear weapons. And well, that's so right. So and we might apply this. We might say, well, you know, we, we've um, managed to uh, create weapons of mass destruction that can uh, destroy the earth several times over. And we build great arsenals of such weapons. But really, today, of course, you know, we, we know about this environmental threat. You and I talked a few weeks back about the Doomsday Report that's issued each January. Mm. And uh, they primarily were concerned about three things. The first thing was the reason that the Doomsday Report was actually uh, begun was uh, fears of nuclear proliferation. Yeah, that was straight after World War II, that was straight 1947. After, yeah, so they were concerned about nuclear proliferation, but that has uh, since rapidly spread into concerns about environment yep. and the fact that we are destroying our backyard. And, uh, of course, the third one that we mentioned before was the um, development of new technologies and artificial intelligence and the impact that that will have on the survival of our species. And when you talk about the survival of our species, we might be doing reasonably well here in Australia, but if you talk to those who are living in the islands, um, they, they, there's, there's been great concern with with the fears of climate change and what's taking place, the, the sea uh, levels rising, mm-hmm. that it could inundate uh, these small islands, especially a number of them in our own backyard in the South Pacific. Uh, so, so there's so there's great concerns. Not not to mention that crops are impacted, people's livelihoods, and the people that are suffering the most are those in the third world. And that goes with the pan- pandemic that we currently have. I was reading of a report where up to 500 million people in the world uh, will potentially be pushed into extreme poverty to join the almost 1 billion people who go to bed hungry every night. Mm. So we're, we're talking, we're, we're talking um, serious implications when, impacts. When, when the environment <clears throat> is compromised. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, if we talk just a little bit um, more about um, the impact humanity has had on the environment in recent times before we talk about mankind's potential solutions to the problem. Um, and, you know, obviously... We've mentioned the pandemic has uh, caused some easing of that uh, polluting because of uh, the lack of human activity in the last three months. Um, you know, one of the things uh, we're going to talk about in terms of the destruction of the environment is, um, you know, plastic in the Pacific. Mm. And uh, not just in the Pacific, but, uh, you know, you, you, uh, we all like to drink out of these plastic bottles. And, uh, of course, you, you know, you might drop your plastic bottle, it goes down the drain gets flushed out into a river, gets flushed out into the ocean, and then the ocean currents sort of turn, turn it into this swirling ma- mass. And there are several places in the Pacific where these swirling masses of plastic um, that are huge, I mean, like, the, you know, like they're small countries, you know, they're, they're, they're that huge, these, these massive plastics. And, you know, we used to be concerned that plastic doesn't break down, but the problem is it does break down into min- minuscule pieces of plastic. 
And then uh, I think we've said this before and talked about the fact that the fish will eat those and then, of course, it gets into the food chain. And it's incredible the, the amount of plastic we're pumping out these days. Uh, there was a report back in 2017 on ABC News and uh, they were taking a look at the increase in plastic and how it has sharply risen from 1.7 million tonnes in 1954, so what that's about 70-odd years ago, to 311 million tonnes, and that was back in 2014. So those numbers have, have further increased. So, yeah, we're, we're seeing some, some serious degradation of the environment. Sure. And in terms of, uh, you know, saying that... Um you know, I'm sure that many of our listeners has probably seen those news reports where you see, um, you know, mass uh, loads of fish that are washed up on the beach or on the uh, the riverbank or whatever and have died because of the pollutants in the water or sometimes they're not even sure why they've died. Um, it reminds me of a verse in um, Revelation 16, 3 to 4, and uh, we're clearly not here yet, right? This is describing one of the seven last plagues and we'll certainly unpack those in the future and that's program. right at the end of time just before jesus Correct, comes just before christ comes but we're not in this place yet but i want you to notice what it says it says the second angel poured out his bowl on the sea and it became blood as of a dead man and every living creature in the sea died now of course we're not in that place yet but we do see uh these increasingly strange events of these you know you were telling me some incredible let, let me give you a, yeah and well i'm just going to give you a, a newsweek cover from about i don't know about 15 years ago i guess it is newsweek uh cover it says are the oceans dying 90 percent of the big fish are gone scientists are struggling to make sense of the fallout so here's um newsweek magazine reporting that 90 percent of the big fish are gone already wow so um you know that's having quite an impact not only in the seas, of course, and not in, in, the, in the waterways, we've got um, the land animals too. There was a, a, uh, the Living Planet report of 2018 uh, was published by the World Wildlife Fund, and they were saying that po uh, populations of mammals, birds, fish, reptiles, and amphibians have on average declined in size by 60% wow. in just over 40 years. That's like... 60% of the number of animal animals on Earth has just disappeared. In 40 years? In 40 years. Wow. That's incredible. And that, I guess that, that, that goes along with this um, headline from National Geographic that I came across back in January 2015. And this was the headline, Mass Animal Die-Offs Are On The Rise, Killing Billions and Raising Questions. And then this subtitle... Huge animal die-offs, along with disease outbreaks and other population stresses, are happening more often. And so, yeah, the, mm. the, the question was asked, you know, what's going on? Yeah, indeed. So, all right, I'm going to come back with a, uh, a Bible verse. There's a, a passage that talks about this in the Old Testament book of Isaiah. I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But we're going to be going to another piece of music, I think. And that is uh, Jaden Lavick, Amazing Grace. Enjoy the music. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. But now I'm found Was blind But 
you for that beautiful music you are listening to faith fm and particularly you're listening to the afternoon show with uh danny melenkov and myself peter watts and the show is called looking up and we are talking about uh the covid19 crisis and how uh what implications that has for bible prophecy what does the bible say about it if anything um what what does it tell us about the time in which we're living and uh how can we prepare for uh the return of Christ that the Bible speaks so uh, often about. Danny, we were talking about uh, the environment before we uh, took that music break, and um, we were talking about some of the impacts, of course, of um, the environmental impacts of industry uh, and pollution across the globe uh, that's been amassing, I guess, over decades and decades. Um, And then we talked about earlier, we talked about the the fact that the COVID-19 crisis has really put a pause on industry, on human activity, on flights around the globe, and uh, pollution has significantly dropped away, and it's given the planet a breather, it's allowed the environment to recover somewhat, and people are saying, hey, this is a good thing. And um, just in regard to the way in which uh, the world is is wearing out, if you like, there's a verse in uh, Isaiah 51, verse 6, and it says, lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look on the earth beneath, for the heavens will vanish away like smoke, the earth will grow old like a garment. And I think, you know, people have recognized that the world is starting to grow older. It's starting to look at its age. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's had uh, environment or pollution rather has a significant impact on the environment. So now we really want to talk about, so um, how are people responding to that? How have people sort of... Uh, thought about what the solutions might be to that and um you know we're we're probably going to have to go back a little bit do a little bit of rewind because Mm. well well before COVID-19 obviously there's been talk about 
uh, how we can get the environment back on track yep. and what we can do to reduce CO2 levels and so on and so forth. We're all well familiar with that. And I think it's interesting to see um, the development of, of, of some of the uh, of some of the initiatives that have been put forward uh, probably over the last 20 years or so. I'm not sure what was really happening in the environmental space uh, before the year 2000, but certainly since the year 2000, it's been, it's been ramped up. If I could just mention uh, the United Nations in the year 2000 put out what um, is called the, the Global Development Goals. Right. The Global Development Goals, uh, eight goals, Eight sustainable, they're called the Sustainable Development Goals. And um, that's been updated to, I think, about 17 in 2015, moving to 2030. But one of the, one of the key areas of concern was the environment and mm-hmm. how to get that back on track. So, so this is something that, that the world has been really focused Thinking on. Thinking about for a yeah, long time. since the year 2000 in particular. Yeah. Well, I wanted to pick up on um, something that... Uh, caught the attention um, of the the world's press back in 2015. And that was uh, Pope Francis had issued um, an encyclical, which is like a a papal, an official papal declaration. It's like an official letter of the Pope, if you like, uh, to the world. And uh, it was called Laudato Si, and I've probably slaughtered the Latin there, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it says, uh, it, it translates to praise be you or praise be to you. Um, and talk, the you being God. You, you being God. And then the subtitle on it was uh, On Care for Our Common Home. And uh, it says here, uh, in it, the Pope critiques consumerism and irresponsible development laments environmental degradation and global warming and calls all people of the world to take swift and unified global action. So this was back in 2015 that he issues this uh, appeal. Back in June. Back in June 2015, he's issuing this appeal um, to the world, really, not just to Roman Catholics or just to church people or religious people. Uh, He's talking about... um, all the people of the world to take swift and unified global action of our common home, and 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 he's right. Yeah. You know, regardless of what uh, of what religion you may be That's part right. of, where you live on the planet, this is our common home. This is one thing we all have in common. And I think that's important, uh, Danny, because if we believe um, in the the first book of the Bible, Genesis, talks about the creation, how God made the world and gave man dominion over it and so forth, um, yeah, we, we, we need to take care of the planet. Um, so he's tapping into something um, that is going to obviously be a popular position, and uh, he's saying that we should care for the environment. Uh, he, he continues, actually, um, further uh, in March of this year um, in uh, the website Catholic Family. It says, Pope Francis blames coronavirus on nature having a fit over environmental damage. So uh, he's now sort of, uh, obviously we talked before that, that article before was from 2015. Here this is, uh, since the pandemic, he's now saying nature is having a fit over the environmental damage. Yeah, and, uh, and it's interesting. Um, one, of the, one of the statements that Pope Francis made in regards to this pandemic he was quoted as sharing this Spanish saying that, that goes along the lines of God always forgives, 
man sometimes forgives, but nature never forgives. And he's suggesting that, yeah, we, we in, um, in many ways are responsible for, for, for what's been taking place with this pandemic, because as we pointed out in a previous presentation, um, the mixing of humans and animals um, in, in a way that they should not be mixed appears where the source of this pandemic has come mm. from. So and some of the yeah. other viruses that uh, we've seen in uh, the 20th century. Exactly, century. exactly. And so, um, and so he's, he's, he, he's very clear that he doesn't believe that, that the coronavirus is, is a judgment from God sure. upon, upon us because we've been um, neglecting the environment. But he certainly says it's a wake-up call. I just want to read from this article. So this is in uh, Catholic Family. I mentioned the uh, headline uh, there, Pope Francis blames coronavirus on nature having a fit over the environmental damage. And it says, um, Pope Francis told a Spanish journalist on Sunday that he believes that the coronavirus pandemic is nature having a fit in response to environmental pollution, stating that curiously the planet hasn't been very clean for a long time. The interviewer asked, is it possible that this is nature's hour of reckoning with us? And so here's Pope Francis's answer. He said, there's a saying that you surely know, God always forgives, we forgive sometimes, but nature never forgives. And he says, fires, earthquakes, that is nature is having a fit so that we will take care of nature. And like I said, um, he's, he, he's, he's, he's taking the view that, that this is a wake-up call. Uh, nature is, is, is trying to help us get the message of what we need to do in order to take care of the environment. And he's tapping into the language there of Matthew 24, where he talks about right. fires, earthquakes, and so on and so forth. Because Jesus did say very clearly that those labor pains mm-hmm. in the environment yep. would um, increase as as time drew near to his second coming. You've sure. talked about the earth wearing away yep. like an old garment and uh, the earth groaning. Uh, like labor pains, and we've talked about Revelation. You know, God will destroy those who destroy the A lot of the, the signs earth. of the times. Exactly. So, um, so what so he's, he's saying, picking up on that he's too. picking up on the biblical language. Yeah. And so he's I mean, commenting on this too. Uh, CNN um, had the, this headline in April. They said Pope says coronavirus pandemic could be nature's response to climate crisis. So they're basically saying uh, something similar in that article. And then uh, I don't know if you want to pick up on this one. I know that you. Um, referenced this with me earlier, Danny, and it was uh, Reuters, and it was on Earth Day, Pope says nature will not forgive our trespasses. And again, uh, that's picking up on the same news story, basically. Yeah, well, we've celebrated uh, 50 years of Earth Day this year. So that was on April 22 of this year, the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And if I could just read a little from this article, you've given the headline. Sure. And uh, this is how the article reads. Pope Francis made an impassioned plea for protection of the environment on Wednesday, 50th anniversary of the first Earth Day, saying the coronavirus pandemic had shown that some challenges had to be met with a global response. Mm. Um, You know, he goes on and he talks about that. If I could just read another line here from what uh, Pope Francis had to say, he says, take to the streets to teach us what is obvious. That is that there will be no future for us if we destroy the environment that sustains us. Mm. And so it's either one world or none. And he's saying, if we don't take care of this world that we have, we've only got one world. Mm. If we destroy it, 
the the nature will destroy us and yeah. um and and we won't have any future whatsoever it's in, it's interesting when we think about the fact that so many of the challenges that um we face are, are global challenges now so it was global terrorism it's the global financial crisis or it's you know global warming global pandemic have global you heard of that pandemic. one i've heard about that one so in other words so they're looking for global solutions because the problems are global in nature and uh, so you can see how... Uh, yeah, but we're a global village now. We've talked about that yeah. in the past. You well, know, unlike right. any other time in Earth's history, we are connected today like at no other time. I mean, the internet. Yeah. The internet has connected the world. Yeah. All right. So given all of that, um, so, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, Pope Francis has expressed his concerns about the environment long before the pandemic and now after it as well. But what's interesting is there are some who were suggesting a solution of a spiritual nature uh, or of a religious nature, perhaps we could say, to uh, the environmental pollution and so forth. Some were suggesting this, um, you know, much earlier than that still. So there's a news report here from The Guardian in uh, September 2009, and it says the headline is Slow Sunday the simple solution to global warming. And it just uh, it says here, using Sunday as a day of rest and renewal would be good for our personal health as well as the health of the planet. And so here they're suggesting, uh, hey, you know, if we were as a race, as a global community, uh, if we were to take uh, a day off to give uh, ourselves and the planet a rest, that that would be a good thing. And I don't think anybody could really argue with that. And of course, the day that they are suggesting is the day that currently probably has the less, the least amount of work done on it already. So in other words, we would probably all be familiar. I mean, I remember growing up in Birmingham in the UK and we used to go down the park and play football with other kids on a Sunday, and you'd walk up the high street and everything was closed. Mm. It was, you know, it was like a ghost town um, because uh, Sunday trading laws, of course, uh, didn't permit the shops to open on Sunday. Now, some of those things, uh, both in Britain and here in Australia and so forth, have been relaxed somewhat. And so uh, there is various trading going on on a Sunday. But almost to to uh, a point there... There are different laws governing what you can do on Sunday than what you can do other days of the week. If you go to Coles or you go to the restaurant or you go to the pub or whatever it might be, then there's restricting restricted operating hours on a Sunday that don't apply to the other days. Yeah, well, where I shop, when I shop, which is once every five years, um, <laughs> down the road, um, a place called Tuggera, on Sunday, that's the that's the least amount of shopping that's you can do. It's the quietest day. It's the quietest day. I think it's like from 10 till yeah. 4 or 10 till 5 yeah. or whatever it is. So you could see then, in that case, that if you were going to pick a day out of the week for people to rest, for businesses to rest, it would seem that that's going to be the most attractive option. Well, it makes right the now. most sense. It yeah. makes the most sense. And so the implications of that, of course, uh, we're going to talk a little bit probably in next week's program about the fact that God actually gave a day of rest. He did. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the solution, and we might touch on that at the end of today's program too. But we're going to get really into that next week. That the that God actually understood the principle of rest. 
um, both for humanity, for the animals and for the land. Uh, all those years ago, at the very beginning, God placed uh, that that rest in time. And we're going to talk about that. And it's, it's uh, right there in Genesis. We're going to have a closer look at all of that next week. But I just want to pick up um, a another headline. We're going to go to another piece of music in a moment. But as I mentioned before, that previous headline from The Guardian, Slow Sunday, The Simple Solution to Global Warming, that was in The Guardian in 2009. But even if we go back a few years before that, there was another article uh, by a Green senator uh, at the time of the John Howard government, mm. believe it or not. We're going to talk about that a little bit when we come back. We're going to go to another piece of music. We're going to be listening to Caleb and Kelsey, 10,000 Reasons. And uh, thank you for listening to Faith FM. Welcome back. That was uh, Caleb and Kelsey with 10,000 Reasons. And you're listening to Faith FM and the afternoon program with 
Danny Melenkov and me, Peter Watts, looking up. And we've been looking at some of the uh, COVID-19 implications for the environment. And we were talking earlier, Danny, about the fact that uh, both um, the Pope and others had been saying, you know what, we, we really should think about taking a time out to let the environment rest and let people rest. And uh, as I mentioned, there was that headline in The Guardian in 2009, but this goes back a little further than that too. So this is 2005, and uh, some listeners will remember John Howard being Prime Minister. He was a good Prime Minister, if I remember correctly. Well, I... And I'm not a political you person. You don't have... We're not going to make this political, Danny. But he was, he, he was well-respected. Stop handing out how to vote he, cards. Listen, he brought my grandparents over from Macedonia 20 years ago. Did he really? Yeah, he did. He oh, brought God. them over. In and, his own um, boat or...? And so he's always going to be there in a soft spot in my heart. Is that what it is? Absolutely. Oh, go, Howard. Go, God, Johnny. God bless John Howard. <laughs> okay, well, here we go. So... Um, so Rachel Seward, at the time of the Howard government, you may remember in 2005, the Howard government was trying to push through um, Parliament some workplace relations legislation. And at that time, there was a report called Sunday Working and Family Time. Mm. Okay. And Rachel Seward referenced this in the Parliament. And uh, it was reported in the Age newspaper in uh, October 2005. And it, it was headlined, Sunday work doesn't work. Now, who's this Rachel Seward? Rachel Seward. She is a Greens senator, senator for the Greens Party. Mm-hmm. Okay. So obviously the Green Party, environmentally influenced, mm. um, you know, concern for the environment and so forth. And uh, it said in the Age newspaper report, it says, Green Senator Rachel Seward, who released the report, called on, uh, called on Prime Minister John Howard to enshrine in law, the sanctity of Sunday as a day for family life. Greens call for the right to refuse to work on Sunday. So I think those words are just very fascinating. From a Green senator. From a Green that, senator. That is quite fascinating. Not I a, hadn't come across that. Not a religious person, but, uh, well, not, not, not with a religious motivation yes. as, I, as far as I can tell, yes. um, but says, you know, called on Prime Minister John Howard to enshrine in law the sanctity of Sunday. I think that's very interesting language to be used, uh, be using. And so there are a number of people who are now looking at this and saying, OK, post COVID-19, here we are in uh, the pandemic. We are uh, some governments are starting to relax some of the restrictions that we've had in regard to lockdown. And people are saying, well, hang on a minute, as we open up again, uh, are there ways in which we can do that that helps to protect the environment and helps to protect our sanity in giving us this family time, this this uh, common uh, rest time? And of course, naturally, most people are going to gravitate towards Sunday rest time. Now, this is going. I'm going to drop something in here, Dan, uh, that may shock some people, but it may shock people to find that. Nowhere does the Bible talk about Sunday rest time. And that's a fascinating thing to think about. We're going to, and hang on, people will be saying, no, I'm sure that God gave a day of rest. Isn't it called the Lord's Day? (laughs) Isn't it called the Lord's Day? (laughs) Well, indeed, the Bible does give us a day of rest. In fact, it's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And I'm sure that um, many people... um, 
you know, believe that that is Sunday. And we're going to actually look at that issue next week. Yeah, we're going to um, unpack it. Because obviously many people are now pointing towards this and saying, you know what, this would make sense to have a common rest day where it gives us time to rest, it gives us time to renew those relationships with our family, gives time for the land to rest, the planet to rest from its pollution. And so a number of people are, are, are looking at that in this way. They are. And, um, you know, you've mentioned, you know, people who are religious as well as people who are not religious. Right. Um, and there's an interesting article that I came across from a group called Green Sabbath. Okay. And uh, it, it points out here that this is uh, a group that is um, not religious in nature. I'll just read to you a little of, of what this article shares. Once a week, give our beautiful planet a day of rest, a Green Sabbath day. Green Sabbath is a non-religious, non-political and non-profit campaign which aims to raise awareness and to encourage people to help show sorry to help slow i should say climate change preserve precious natural resources and improve planet health by observing at least one carbon footprint free day each week on any day of the week so they're not saying it needs to be sunday or whatever day They're, they're just saying on any day of the week right and we call it symbolically a green Sabbath day because the word Sabbath means rest. Of course. Shabbat. Yeah. That's, that's what the word means, rest. So giving the planet one day a week to rest. Right. Okay. So now that's interesting. And they're saying, look, we're not prescribing, they're saying, any particular day, but we think that it should be one day of rest. And of course... It would make sense if that was a coordinated day of rest. So that well, well, you can't have you can't have every country doing its own thing. It's just not going to work. I mean, where's the economy going to go? Well, where's the rest? So you know, if, if, well, even in a given street. So if I choose to rest on a particular day, but everybody else is still working on that day, it just um, it, it doesn't provide the rest that the land needs from the pollutants and so forth. So obviously, at some point. They're going to be looking at a coordinated day. And you know what? That's not such a a big deal Mm. considering what we've been through. I mean, look look at the lockdown that we have been enduring for for several months now here in Australia. That we have willingly... Willingly. Well, I don't know about willingly. I don't know about willingly. (laughs) But no, I've been surprised. And maybe you have too, Danny. I mean, obviously, all of the... uh, the words that were used three months ago about being unprecedented times and unprecedented actions and the the uh, nature of the lockdown and the policies and so forth and the willingness of people to uh, do that for all the right reasons. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we're, we're encouraged to, to be safe. We're encouraged to keep others safe. I mean, this, this coronavirus from what we have been seeing on the news um not just here but abroad is is a serious issue and uh you know millions of people infected um i think a million people have lost their lives or Mm -hmm. the numbers are probably growing and we've seen the chaos that it's that it has caused and so when people think of one day for the environment and the the importance of preserving and and bringing the environment back on track 
then that's not such a big deal compared to what we exactly. have what we have been through. So, um, and so it those... sounds like a good idea, oh, right? Look, and, and as the... we've said before already, that this actually was God's idea. This was God's plan right? A. I mean, at the very beginning, there you can read in Genesis yeah. chapter in two, the very 15, first week before Gen- any pollution. Absolutely, in Genesis chapter two, verse fifteen, the Bible is very clear. God told Adam and Eve to take care of the bu- the garden, to right. to tend and, and to keep. keep it. And if yeah. you take a look at the original language, it means to it means to help help it grow and flourish sustain it so so that was god's original plan not only for the environment but but for human relationships for for everything god god has a plan and um yeah all right well i'm gonna i just want to take us back in our conversation a few moments you remember i talked about um the encyclical that pope francis issued a laudato c or praised be you praised be you Back in 2015, and I wanted to read, just read an excerpt from that um, because in it uh, he said this uh, in regards to a common day of rest and so forth. He says, Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, I just want to pause right there, Danny, because nowhere in the Bible is the Sabbath called the Jewish Sabbath. No, it's not. Strangely enough, it's never described that way. But he says here, Sunday, like the Jewish Sabbath, is meant to be a day which heals our relationships with God, with ourselves, with others, and with the world. So this was in 2015. Uh, As we said, already on his mind is this coordinated day of rest in order to benefit many different aspects of life. Um, and so he had that in mind back then. And that was that was a big deal. Uh, that encyclical uh, really springboarded um, Pope Francis to, to I guess, head the, the climate change uh, charge and, and preserving the environment. You may remember, our listeners may remember, that President Obama, the President of the United States at the time, he endorsed uh, this encyclical. In mm-hmm. fact... For the very first time in United Nations history, when they celebrated their 70th anniversary um, after the formation of the UN in um, 1945 at the end of World War II, when the UN first got up and going, the 70th anniversary in 2015, Pope Francis was invited uh, to share the opening address. Mm-hmm. And, and I watched that opening address and it was, um, it was focused on this very, on this very issue the environment and the importance of preserving the environment, the importance of getting the environment back on track for the sake of not only the environment, but as you said, you know, family, um, uh, economic equality, um, talking about health and well-being. And so he had the opening address. And at that United Nations summit, as I've shared earlier, that is where the 17 sustainable development goals were endorsed by all the nations um, at the United Nations for the next 15 years. And so those 17 goals, and if our listeners, you can just go online and you can go to United Nations, mm. uh, 17 uh, Sustainable Development Goals, and you'll discover right there, right um, at the very, at, at the very uh, forefront of how we can get our world back on track so that we have a happy and a peaceful world to live in, the environment is front and center. Yeah, okay. And so, and, and let, let me just finish off with... Um, at the end of the year, we had the Paris Climate Change 
um, uh, agreement mm-hmm. that was signed, that historic agreement. So, yeah, yeah so some big monumental um, yeah, decisions have been made in this space over the last number of years. Well, there's another article that you drew, drew my attention to just while we're on this theme of setting aside a common day of rest for the benefit of um, the environment and for, for many other things. Um, and then we want to, I want to sort of change tack after this, but I want to uh, we'll, we'll continue with this. This is called, this is from a website called Eco Preacher, okay? Yeah. And the headline says, When Earth Demands Sabbath, Learning from the Coronavirus Pandemic. And uh, underneath it says, uh, well, maybe I'll let you read some of that, Danny. Um, sort of briefly summarize this. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes before we go to our next music break. So just briefly summarize uh, what this, this message really is about. Okay. Uh, there's uh, a professor in the United States of America. Her name is uh, Leah uh, Shade. And uh, yeah, she's the assistant professor of preaching and so forth at a university there in uh, Kentucky. <laughs> and she calls herself the eco preacher because she's seeking to utilize uh, the biblical language or should I say the biblical principles uh, that we've talked, we've mentioned, and we're going to unpack some more next week in our program. But to utilize those biblical principles that God gave at the very beginning of time in order to see our way forward from from this climate crisis, as she calls it. And uh, this is what I just want to read to you. Just We don't have a lot of time, but I just want to read to you a couple of sentences here from what she says. And this really sums up where things are at. She says, uh, when Earth demands Sabbath, learning from Corona pandemic, she says, this might be the first time. These are very interesting words. This is how her article begins. This might be the first time since the beginning of the industrial age that Earth is finally getting a break from the relentless activity and growth of human industrial production. And she goes on and she, she, she talks about the importance of having a Sabbath for for the earth you know mm-hmm. we talked about you know setting aside one day a week and she's 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 speaking of these new phrases that are being coined right now uh, as we speak one of them being planned economic slowdowns which mm-hmm. we've talked about and another one intentional degrowth and so she's saying that the only way forward for our planet is to is to have a worldwide collective effort where we are seeking to put into place those principles that we find in God's word in order to preserve the health of our of our planet and our overall well-being. Mm. And yeah, thanks for mentioning that. So we can see here as you've mentioned a lot of different voices both prior to and since the pandemic saying, you know what, we need to slow down, we need to find a day of rest, uh, a a uh, a common day of rest. Uh, Both religious people and non-religious people have been calling about this. And most people, I guess, listening to this, Danny, would be saying, well, that sounds like a really great idea. I mean, who's who's not going to be on board for that? Right. And I want to touch on a couple of things that were mentioned uh, a few years ago in relation to this. And we're going to. We're going to take a short break. We're going to take uh, some more music. And then this the is news. Sarah, Grace, Sarah Gracie, Ashes and Sand. So we'll take this music and then we'll have the news. Spirit of God Fall in this place Here where the desert 
out for the rain Thirsty and dry We look to the sky Let the rain of your promise Come fall in our lives Spirit of God Unleash the
welcome back and thank you for choosing to tune in today to Faith FM with uh, Danny Melenkov and myself, Peter Watts, here on Looking Up. Um, we are looking at some of the implications of the coronavirus. Does the Bible have anything to say about the, the, the time we live in? And we're uh, just trying to connect some of the dots. And um, we've been talking about the environment. And we were talking before we went to the break, Danny, about the fact that Lots of people are seeing the benefits environmentally of what's happened during the COVID-19 crisis, which is that, you know, human activity has been uh, shut down. And so the environment has recovered a little bit and people are starting to say, hey, wouldn't it be great to have a common day of rest whereby we rest from our labours? And I just wanted to pick up on something that uh, was issued by... Uh, Pope John Paul II, back in 1998, again, we've said before that this, some of these things have been bubbling under the surface for a long time, but there was a, 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 an apostolic letter issued uh, by Pope John Paul II back in 1998 called Deus Domini. And, uh, Which means the day of our Lord. The day of our Lord. Thank you for doing that. See, I keep slaughtering the uh, Latin. <laughs> But the day of our Lord, and he was basically making a strongly uh, a strong appeal to Roman Catholics to return to Sunday worship. Okay, and uh, so for instance, uh, this made news headlines around the world, and um, in the Sunday Times in the UK, uh, it says uh, the headline says Pope launches crusade to save Sunday. Um, in the Australian newspaper over here in Australia. Uh, it says uh, the headline was the Sabbath, remember? Well, of course, they're talking about um, Sunday. It says here the Pope last night issued a strongly worded appeal to Roman Catholics to restore the sacred nature of Sunday. And uh, what was interesting within that letter, it says these words. So th these were the words that uh, Pope John Paul II wrote. He was referencing a previous Pope of, you know, long ago. And he says, Pope Leo XIII spoke of Sunday rest as a worker's right, which the state must guarantee. Therefore, also in the particular circumstances of our own time, Christians will naturally strive to ensure that civil legislation respects their duty to keep Sunday holy. Now, the point I'm going to make about this, and I'm going to let you in in a minute because I can see that you're jumping on your seat. Ready Biting up a bit. Um, so the point I was making here is we've talked about this common day of rest that people are saying it would be good for the environment, it'd be good for families and so forth. Here he's talking about there should be civil legislation to support that Sunday observance and so forth. What happens to religious liberty when a law enforcing what you can and can't do from a religious perspective uh, is enforced by the state. And so that is a concern that we have here. And maybe I can get you to read a passage from Scripture and then you can uh, comment on that. Yeah, sure, Peter. Um, we've looked at this passage in the past. We're going to go to Revelation 13. And in Revelation 13 here, we have a chapter that that really zeroes in on what will be taking place at the end of time. At the very end of time, 
immediately prior to the coming of Jesus and what the key issues will be. Right. So I'm going okay. to I'm going to read from Revelation 13, yep. uh, verses 15 to 17. We're going to really unpack this chapter in a in a in a future presentation. Mm. We don't have time to do that right now. But in line with what you're uh, referring to, where um, there will be uh, political pressure or civil legislation um, in concern uh, of, of people's... A religious day of worship. A religious day of worship and um, imposing, imposing laws on, on people's the freedom to, to worship. This is what it says. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one that has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. So here we have a very specific language that if you don't receive the mark of the beast, if you don't whatever worship, that may be, whatever that point. may be, we'll unpack that. Yeah. Um, in the coming days, if you don't worship the mark of the beast, you don't worship the image of the beast, and you certainly don't worship the beast, you will be you will be uh, sentenced to to the fate of not being able to buy and sell. So you won't be able to survive economically. There'll be an economic boycott. There'll be an economic boycott, and also ultimately um, your life. Yeah. will be on the line. And this is, and I just want to make a note here, this is not just in one part of the world, Peter. Right. We're talking about worldwide because it says very clearly it's going to impact all, both small and great, mm. rich and poor, free and slave. So this this implicates the entire planet. Right. The, the language that's being used here by John in mm. Revelation is speaking of uh, a worldwide uh, objective to seek to introduce uh, a certain form of worship. Well, it's interesting as I read through this. If, if uh, you know, without knowing necessarily what the meaning of all the particular symbols are here in this particular chapter of Revelation, one thing you can say is, as you read it, it looks as though there is enforced religious observance. That's right. Civil legislation. In fact, you can use the word worship because it says the word worship right there in um, in uh, verse 15. So we're talking about at the end of time, people will be compelled by civil legislation, one imagines, to uh, observe this. So there will be enforced religious worship. That's right. Now, what's interesting here in verse 15 is it says um, uh, he causes all that... Um, and causes as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed, right? There's, this is obviously a, a desperate time in Earth's history where there's actually a death decree for not complying with uh, the um, regulations. So it appears that the world's falling apart in, in, in all in aspects. Many ways. In many ways. In many ways. But the, the point I was going to make is if you look back, this is actually drawing on language from another Old Testament prophetic book, which is the book of Daniel, mm. where in the book of Daniel, um, there is uh, a passage in chapter three of the book of Daniel where the king there, the king of Babylon, no less, he sets up an image of gold and he, uh, he calls on everybody to bow down and worship it. But there are some worshippers of the God of the Bible who have read the second commandment, which says you shall not bow down and worship images. And they refuse to, to bow down and they are thrown into a burning, fiery furnace 
And of course, God supernaturally delivers them. He protects them and delivers them so that they do not die. But the point of that chapter in chapter 3 is there is uh, enforced worship uh, on pain of death if you don't worship that image. And this passage in Revelation is drawing on that same kind of imagery there and saying that those who refuse to worship the image would be killed. And then it goes on and talks about uh, those that... uh, you know, receive the mark of the beast and those that don't receive will not be able to buy and sell. And obviously the buying and selling must be coming before the death decree because you can't stop people buying and selling if they're already dead. And I guess we've had a bit of a taste of that because when people have read this passage um, before COVID, they thought this is a little bit far-fetched, mm. uh, impossible. How how are you going to stipulate uh, worldwide huge changes like this yeah. uh, that will affect people's worship and what people do from day to yeah. day? But we've seen during COVID, um, things have been tipped upside down and things that we thought were impossible once upon a time, like the government um, telling you that you're not no longer allowed to worship in your church or mm. in your synagogue or in your mosque, yep. um, they have come to pass because yeah. of the health concerns and obviously um, where the world is. Yeah, we would never have imagined this. We've talked already in this uh, series, Danny, that uh, about the fact of, I think it's the rapid nature of the changes that is one aspect that is, is quite startling. And it's the, the, the far reach of these changes uh, that is also quite dramatic. Like you said, I mean, you know, there were people having their uh, grocery bags checked to, to see whether or not they'd, you know, been out uh, shopping for non-essentials. You know, that kind of thing um, we would never have expected. So we've seen some strange things in the last three months, that's for sure. And uh, this is depicting a time we're not there yet. But we can see um, why we might be headed there. Now, we're going to need to unpack this, and we will do that in a future presentation. But what we want to understand is the issues in the book of Revelation at the end of time are issues over who, when, and what you worship. And uh, so it's fascinating to be thinking about um, a religious body and non-religious bodies all saying, you know what, I think it will be great for us to have a common day of rest and that that should be legislated or it should be put in law. Um, And we've seen that from various people. Here's another headline, and this was uh, back in 2007. Um, The the Pope after Pope John Paul II, after he passed away, Pope Benedict XVI uh, became uh, the head of the Roman Church. And he says uh, he has appealed... This was um, in a news... uh, piece called Respect for Sundays. Oh, sorry, Pope demands Respect for Sundays. on, um, And he says, Pope Benedict XVI has appealed for renewed respect for Sundays as he celebrated Mass at St. Stephen's Cathedral in the heart of Vienna. Give the soul its Sunday, give Sunday its soul, the Pope said. And so, like I said before, this is not something that has just come out of the blue this year. This is something that has been spoken of for quite some time, and uh, we can see it building to a particular point of interest now, particularly because of COVID-19. So people are beginning to see the benefits of a common day of rest. There, We've already seen legislation, lots of legislation in the last three months uh, passed, giving the government powers to uh, enforce all kinds of uh, unusual state of emergency type 
measures. Um, and that's not to mention, of course, what's happening right now in the US, where, um, you know, state governments and city governments are uh, needing to deal with states of emergency and curfews and all sorts of things there right now. So, yeah, we're at that point um, where, like you mentioned, the United States, there are more and more religious coming to the platform and, and simply saying we need to get this nation back to God. And I found it interesting, um, it's, uh, the, the president of the United States, Donald Trump, uh, came out just yesterday with a Bible for wasn't a that, photo surreal? For, for a photo opportunity holding up the Bible in front of a church that had been damaged by uh, by fire, famous church just outside of um, the White House, mm. and so there is a, there is a general there is a general consensus uh, whether whether it be in the religious world or those who don't have any religion, um, they're coming together and they're realizing that we are in a crisis. Mm. Our world is in a crisis from from many angles, be it be it the environment that we've talked about, be it the family unit that is breaking down and marriage that's under stress, the economy, um, not to mention health and so on and so forth. Not, you know, we, we haven't even talked about mental health and well-being. And so so they're looking for a solution. But Peter, I want us, as we, as we come to land at the end of this program, I want us to take a look at what God's solution is. And God does say there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah, now, somebody's going to clean this place up. Someone's going to clean this place up. And we need to do our best um, as citizens of this earth to, to take, maintain, to, maintain, to do our best. Absolutely. We need to do all the right things. I agree with that. But the reality is we don't have what it takes to bring this world back to its original state that God created at the very beginning of time. So let me just share a couple of scriptures here as we seek to close out. This one's from 2 Peter 3.13, where he writes, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, that is the promise of Jesus Christ, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwell. Look for, that reminds me of our, of our, of our show, Looking Up. And um, hear what God promises in, in Revelation 21. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there was no more sea. And then John goes on and he writes that God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, and there shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. And that's the promise that God makes. And so our listeners, I, I encourage you to look up because um, that's the promise that Jesus makes, that there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Now, It's good to know that God has a solution. He's in control. Now, if there is someone out there, if there's someone out there who wants the free book, um, oh, yeah. the first person to call up for our free offer, Live More Happy is the book, and it's a book that's scientifically proven ways to lift your mood and your life. So the first person to call in will get that book. Thank you, Danny. Well, we are going to uh, leave off here. I'm just going to read Luke 21, 28, which is uh, our final Bible text. Now, when you see these things begin to happen, look up, lift up your head because your redemption draws near. We want to uh, thank you for choosing to listen. We want to uh, thank you, Danny Milenkov, for being here today. It's been uh, great I've, I've, talking I've, to you. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, sharing sharing the, the good news that there is hope on the way and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And so, yeah, I too want to encourage our listeners just to keep looking up because that day of renewal is just around the corner. Just around the corner. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. We've enjoyed being with you. And remember, until next time, keep looking up.